I try to envision the events that take place as individual elements. I can then make a note of each one, but I gain a better understanding when I combine all of these again as a whole. Which is why I have very bad handwriting. <laughs> Any other questions? Oh, oh! Can you tell me if there's something that you're not good at, or maybe something that you're scared of? Something I'm scared of? Well, I suppose... Ulterior. Man, it feels like just last week I was on this show talking about top 100 songs of 2023. I am very, very tired. But the grind don't stop for nobody. And what that means is I am here this week, the next few coming days, to talk to you guys about my top 50 records of the year. This is the second series of It's Kind that I do annually. And if you actually took the time to listen to me talk about songs last week, whether you listen for 10 songs or 50 songs, 100 songs, whatever it was, genuinely, truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, fam. I appreciate you so, so much. And you decided to turn up again this week for whatever reason to hear me talk about records. So what will happen now is I will go ahead and play the regular intro and then after that I'll get into any rules and whatever else I might have to say to preface the commencement of the top 50 records list. Thank you so much, thank you for tapping in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. So like I just said now, this is where I talk about any rules, regulations, guidelines, whatever it might be that I have set for the Top 50 Record series. And it's really not too many. Uh, some of the rules are repeated from the songs list, which is that the release had to have been within the grading period of season three. And that grading period ran from December 10th of 2022 until November 30th of 2023. So any record release within that span of time is eligible for the list. When I say records, I mean any sort of a released format. Albums, EPs, mixtape, mini album, long EP, whatever the fuck it is that you put out this year, your game for this list. Another rule is that deluxe editions can only be permitted for the list if the original album also released this year. So just to give an example, um, Color Decay by The Devil Wears Prada. Fantastic album, phenomenal record, top five album on this list last year. They had a deluxe edition of the album out this year. That's great, tremendous, but it can't be on this list. Neither can Scoring the End of the World Deluxe, uh, Complete Collapse Deluxe, you get the point, hopefully. And yeah, I believe that might be all I really needed to say. That's all I needed to set the stage for this series where, again, we're looking at my choices for the 50 best records of 2023. And with all that being said, let's fucking go. 
Number 50 is Deadly Fun by Dark Divine. I see and hear a lot of potential in Dark Divine from the perspectives of their sound and their aesthetic and just everything that Dark Divine brings to the scene, I am a a huge fan of. And I think they have a real shot at being like a giant pillar for Thriller Records and anything else that they, you know, dabble in and they decide to uh, adventure into. I think Deadly Fun, more than anything else, just really kind of set that narrative and the pathway moving forward into the future for Dark Divine. This is a band who maybe they shouldn't sound this good already, like this refined, but they do, and it is joy to see. I think when it comes to the layout of Deadly Fun, you have an excellent opener in the title track. Drown is an amazing single. I believe that When I saw Dark Divine live back in April, Drown had just come out like two days beforehand, and you could just see the excitement resonate from every member of Dark Divine in getting to play new material, and material that was translating really well in a live setting. They also, aside from just being like, you know, a really uh, well-rounded metalcore band, the melodies and the rhythm and the hooks of Dark Divine are not lost at all on Deadly Fun. I think Cold is an incredible song that really shows just how far they can advance the scene and modern metalcore in all of these areas. And, you know, yes, they draw parallels from other bands in the scene, other contemporaries of theirs. I can listen to a song like Paper Crown and identify how, you know, Bad Omens-esque it is or moving on and be able to see the influence of a band like Motionless and White. But I think what these songs really do is just show how, like much of a student of the game everybody in Dark Divine is. This is an outstanding album. I have a lot of high hopes for the future of this band, and I want to continue to see them elevate themselves and do big, amazing things for all of us. Number 49 is Remote God Seeker by Psychoframe. One of the coolest bands to kind of rise to prominence this year, Psycho Frame just showed up and instantly exceeded any expectations that anybody within Deathcore could have had for them. And it's not a surprise to me necessarily because I I think Hunter Young, aside from just being a tremendous vocalist and one of the best in the scene today, he's also a brilliant mind and him being able to, you know, lend these ideas to Psycho Frame and have Remote Godseeker be as blistering and thunderous and just unrelenting as it is, Again, it's no surprise given how talented that guy really is. And I feel like the singles rollout for uh, Remote Godseeker just kind of, you know, it, it really made sure that we all understood that this is a band who is not here to fuck around about anything. They had so much to offer and they still do. 
24 hours left and Dragging Nazarene, when they released, like, time stood still, I believe, for the deathcore community. Like, these songs just packed so much punch and aggression, and then everything else that the EP brought to us, Raining Glass, Internal Death Trance, these songs have, like, no filter to them whatsoever. They are just that fucking good, that unapologetic in everything that they achieve, and I really believe in Psycho Frame, and I want to continue to see this band just bring to us some of the heaviest and filthiest music that you can ask for in any year. Number 48 is Why Would I Watch by Hot Mulligan. I think that in some ways for myself, Why Would I Watch was one of the most pleasant surprises of the year. And and I say that on the basis of Hot Mulligan had never really had a release of theirs that I felt like I could get behind. I thought you'll be fine and I won't reach out to you were in all honesty, a little bit boring and just nothing that I, you know, felt inclined to ever really go back to. But like immediately after finishing Why Would I Watch, all I wanted to do at that moment was go back to it again. And like I said, that's not a feeling that Hot Mulligan had ever really been able to evoke out of me, but they did so on this record because I feel like it's just undeniable in the rhythm and the overall catchiness of every song here. I think it starts off with a, a very high note on shouldn't have a leg hole, but I do. And even though that song is like sub two minutes, it just gets you amped and like in the proper mindset to get through the rest of the album and just have a great time overall. Um, it's a family movie. She hates her dad. And the song is called, it's called what it's called just a really fun songs like there's not much that i can uh, say outside of these tracks are just really energetic to get through and in turn that made me believe in hot mulligan in a way that i never really have before um cock party 2 better than the first was actually written down on the first draft of top 100 songs as something that could have made it on there because i think that song it really shows off this side of hot mulligan that like the slower end of what they do it, it never really made sense to me beforehand but now with cock party 2 i felt like every idea of hot mulligan finally had a spotlight on it that i was able to support and, and thoroughly and fully get behind and you know another thing that i need to mention is the song titles like as somebody who grew up in the age of the scene where every song title was just unnecessarily long and hard to memorize this album is just a fun throwback um john the rock scene can you smell what the undertaker is my favorite song title of the year and you know uh smack my head off uh christ alive my toe damn it hurts like these things make no sense but they're just a, a hell of fun and i feel like that's the overall crux of what i believe about why when i watch hell of fun number 47 is abeyance by alt
this makes any kind of sense. I think that Abeyance is one of the best albums this year that you will always be able to notice like new intricacies in whenever you go back and hear this record because the production on Abeyance is some of the just like most um like well-rounded and like atmospheric sounding that I got to hear on any album this year the atmosphere that is set by every song in Abeyance it, it feels like you could have this record be the score to like a like a sci-fi epic film it has like that kind of a uh like a flair to its delivery and there are so many different ways that all went about kind of showing off the different sides of their character on abeyance like on the opening song parasite you are immediately introduced to the heavier section of the band and the thunderous nature that they have to their abilities whenever they feel like crafting that kind of a sound and then on a song like Friend of the Dark, you have all of these very slow and brooding moments in the buildup that just kind of speak to how well Alt can craft songs and make sure that every fine detail that they want to put into their music is not only there, but it acts as like the foundation of everything that they're doing and mixing together every attribute that I just mentioned, it, it made it so easy for me to want to highlight Abeyance as one of the top 50 best records I got to hear all year. Number 46 is Feral by Left to Suffer. Getting to watch the rise of Left to Suffer over the last few years has been very rewarding and fulfilling because, for myself at least, Left to Suffer is a band who, like right from their EP in 2021, which was one of the first records that I ever reviewed on this show, I just immediately knew that there was a lot of promise within this band and the potential for them to not necessarily reinvent Deathcore or, you know, bring in a new era of it per se, but to just stand tall and stand atop of so many others on the mountaintop per se and be one of the, like, pillars of Deathcore, one of the kings in that sense, it was always there. And I think the band spent the last few years kind of like figuring out their image, figuring out what exactly their core sound could provide from a unique perspective, and all of that was realized to the utmost extent on Feral. This record is only 25 minutes long, and it is just 25 minutes filled with some of the most just face-shattering, mind-altering deathcore that we have been able to receive this year. And you get so many tracks like Feral, the Tower Trek, Break the Fever, um, Consistent Suffering, that just find ways and new ways at that to just amaze you and, you know, kind of like lead you to believe that they could be the future of Deathcore if the cards are played right and everything aligns in their favor. You have the song Artificial Anatomy, which features Kim Dracula, and having Kim kind of, you know, be the counterpart on this song to the screams of Taylor Barber. It is this very chaotic and just fucking 
beast sounding amalgamation of voices. And then later on towards the end of the track list, you get Disappoint Me, which is the biggest song off of the record as of now. And it, it cheerfully also is my favorite. And Disappoint Me just has that energy and that aura, that it factor that you can't really put a real definition on. It's just there and you know it when you hear it. I hear it in fucking spades on Disappoint Me. And the breakdown call in that song that says... I always trusted you, but you disappoint me is one of the most animalistic and primitive moments in any song this year, and it just brings the fucking energy into the room. Like, when Disappoint Me is on, I feel like I could run through a goddamn brick wall. That is what that song did for me, and overall, that is what Feral did for me, and that's what I'm going to remember it as. Number 45 is The Dark by the band Camino. So back in 2021, the band Camino released their self-titled album, and it was such an easy choice for top 50 records of that year. And in that same vein, The Dark was such an easy record to slot into this list because it really does deserve to be here, in my opinion. The band Camino is one of the best bands out there right now that manages to infiltrate all of these different areas of alt rock and pop rock and kind of just pop in general. Like there is so much of this pop sensibility to the dark that I believe the band Camino perfectly channeled. And it's not apparent right away on the album because you have the opening song, Told You Soul, which is very anthemic, very alt-rock-like in its nature and progression. But then as you kind of dive into the rest of the album and you get songs like Save My Life and Same Page, that is where those really intricate pop details start to surface and they become, like I said, one of the best bands in the world in terms of being able to navigate those kinds of sounds. I mentioned the song Let It Happen as part of Top 100 Songs. Please go check that out if you haven't already. And what I said about Let It Happen was that it managed to be a song that is true to the identity and the core of the band Camino while being kind of a country song in a way. Like the guitar work and the uh, chord progression, it really reminds me of contemporary country and not in a bad way at all. It felt like that was just the natural evolution of Let It Happen. And in turn, every choice made throughout the dark, it was the natural evolution of the band Camino's sound. And just in my opinion, they continue to be one of the most impressive bands out there right now. And I don't believe that anybody should be missing out on them. Number 44 is Director's Cut by To The Grave. I, I didn't really intend for this part of the series to be like the power hour for deathcore in a way, 
But when you have this many deathcore bands in this year putting out this kind of material with this kind of quality, that's just what's going to happen. And To The Grave is a band who I've always championed and I've always wanted the best for them. And I do believe that they put their best foot forward this year on Director's Cut. And just the complete aggression and the apoplectic nature of this style of To The Grave is where they are, again, in my opinion, at their best. I think there are so many uh, moments on this record where Dane Evans just like kicks into this gear that I, I knew he always had in him, but just hearing him, you know, wail out these screams in this manner, it is the perfect backing track to the just filthy and disgusting instrumentation and the chugging riffs and all that sort of shit. This is the perfect sound for To The Grave right now, and Director's Cut had so many moments on there where I'm just like, fuck man like this really is a band that i get to experience in real time and that is crazy and whether it's red dot site or manhunt or acts of kindness there is no shortage of those like brain destruction moments on this record and it's an album that i've gone back to so many times and each time i'm just like fucking ready to go to war in the name of to the grave and director's cut Number 43 is Cabin Fever by Mayfield. This EP's existence on this list is kind of the reason why I made sure to mention at the start of the episode when going over the rules that there was a grading period for this list that did stretch back into December of 2022 because Mayfield's Cabin Fever released on December 16th. So, you know, technically in every sense of the the word, this is a 2022 record, but again, it does factor into the grading period for the list, so that's why it's here. And not just that, but it's also here because I really do believe that Cabin Fever is a perfect EP, and I was very, very happy to get to talk about it back on the first episode of the year. And this EP ended up having like a really big effect on me, uh, you know, right from the opening song, Right Where You Want Me, which was a top 20 song last year back when that came out as a single and that song has never once lost its staying power with me and the personal attachment that I have to that song that's going to be everlasting it will always be there for me and in that same breath a lot of these other songs in the EP they're going to have that same effect in the future it's not easy kerosene and simulated it took me a little bit of time to kind of figure out what it is exactly that these songs remind me of and they have like this very um, like methodical post-hardcore kind of an approach. Similarly to Holding Absence, I'm not saying that this EP sounds like Holding Absence, but I feel like the ideas that are presented here, I could easily imagine imagine them being a part of Holding Absence's camp, if that makes any sense. And then the closing song, Nail in the Coffin, this is a straight up like pop and R&B song. It, it's crazy the switch up that Mayfield managed to have on this EP, but it was a successful one. I felt like every avenue and bit of character that Mayfield really wanted to show on this EP, it shined brightly. And I am a huge fan of Cabin Fever, and I'm going to keep this EP close to me for 
the rest of my life. Number 42 is The Sin of Human Frailty by End. So even if new material from End is often scarce because of the commitments that other or the commitment to other projects that band members in End already have, whenever we do get new material by them, it, it is such a treat, and I'm always left in just astonishment by everything that End managed to do because their brand of you know black and hardcore or metalcore, whatever it is that you really want to call it. It is very much so unmatched. I can't think of another band in that realm, at least for myself personally, who has the angst and the anger and the energy all wrapped into one the way that End do and the way that they showed it off on The Sin of Human Frailty. And just from the opening intro song, A Predator Yourself, like that is very much so apparent. And then you go into Gaping Wounds of Earth, which is one of, you know, the the highlights of the year for myself, one of the best singles. And just, uh, again, the aggression, like, I can't really underestimate that. This album is pissed the fuck off. It is angry to the depths of the earth. And there is no other way that I would want End to convey their sound to me. This is what they were meant to do. This is who they were meant to be. This is the kind of music that when you put all of these minds together, they were meant to craft. And again, whether it's Gaping Wounds of Earth or Thaw featuring Debbie Go, uh, Embodiment of Grief, like all of these areas just managed to strike me to my core. Embodiment of Grief specifically, because I do remember Brendan Murphy saying that that song is meant to be like a sequel to Whispers of Your Death, which was about Brendan's cat, Kuma. And it's a really sad story that I don't really want to go into right now. But Embodiment of Grief having that narrative to its, uh, its meaning, that was another like real like spine-chilling moment for myself. This album is just fucking blistering. It only has one motion, which is constant, and everything about The Sin of Human Frailty just speaks so highly to what it is about End that I find to be very, very fucking enjoyable. Number 41 is Ruckus by Movements. I still believe that Ruckus is a very strange record to try to boil down to a certain set of words because my initial reaction to it was that it didn't really sound like what I would expect movements to, but then over the course of a couple more listens, it was like, no, this is 100% movements. This is innately everything that they stand for. It's just kind of presented to all of us in a bit of a different package than what we were kind of accustomed to off of Feel Something and No Good Left to Give. This is still a band that has that steady aim and that steady hand for emo, melodramatic sounds. Uh, again, it's just done a bit differently. Like, You're One of Us Now, it has a different structure and a different sound to any of their prior records, 
but it's still them. And the same thing with Killing Time and Lead Pipe. There's a, a bit more of this like alt-rock accessibility and sensibility to these tracks. And I felt like it was really rewarding for movements to be able to, you know, dip their hands into these different types of bags and make a record that is still so true all to themselves. And again, the ability for them to kind of just make whatever song they felt like making, that is what lent so heavily to the success of Ruckus, both in the last couple months and then I would imagine for the long-term future of the band as well. A song like Heaven Sent, it is so like enchanting and it feels very euphoric. And I love the idea of being able to get a movement song that sounds like that. Um, the closing track, Cor Delane, very ominous in a way, very brooding in a way, and that's kind of, you know, more akin to the traditional style of movements per se that I became such a huge fan of. And then there is AMP, which is one of the greatest songs I've ever listened to in my life. It is a top three or two or maybe even one song from Movement's discography for myself. And AMP is so antithetical to what is happening on Ruckus and even the rest of Movement's catalog altogether. But again, that's kind of indicative of what I've been trying to say, which is that Movement's took Ruckus and just made an album filled with whatever sounds they wanted this album to be comprised of. And it worked. It worked so tremendously well. And that's it. Those were records 50 to 41 for this first installment of the series. Uh, each episode will be going through 10 records all the way up until number one, where I name my record of the year, which will be presented with the third annual Mikasa and Historia Award. So, you know, a lot of exciting things to still come, a lot of more, a lot of more records the fuck am I saying, bro? A lot more records for me to show this level of enthusiasm and excitement over. And if any of these records are kind of foreign to you guys, I definitely suggest, you know, giving some time to give these records some spins and some streams because I do believe that every record on this list so far and in the coming episodes has at least one song or one key sound that can be what any number of you guys are looking for. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene. 